I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. We are back with another episode of Restaurant and Retail Revelations, a podcast spotlighting movers and shakers in the hospitality industry. And as a quick note, this podcast is made possible by Rebel Systems, which is provider of the leading cloud-native POS platform on the market. That's right. And Rebel made this episode possible in more ways than one because our guest today is a fellow Reveler. We have the pleasure of sitting down with Josh Boyer, Chief Financial Officer for Rebel Systems. And this one's just in time for 2023 budget planning. And Josh's perspective is just going to be a great one to have at this time of year. It really is. I'm interested to hear what he's got to say and what he's paying close attention to in the realm of financial planning and forecasting. And I expect to hear some great insights, or in this case, revelations, as we chat. With that, let's jump right in and hear from Josh. Josh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, one of the reasons that I love talking to internal team teammates on the podcast is just to get a better sense of what everyone does in their specific roles. And so to kick things off for our listeners, I would love if you would just share a little bit about your areas of focus as the chief financial officer at Rebel Systems. Yeah, so my name is Josh Boyer, obviously CFO of Rebel Systems. Um, so what that means is that I oversee all things related to the accounting side, compiling financial statements, reporting out information to the organization, uh, and also the financial planning and analysis side, FP&A, uh, we call it. And on that side of the house, we forecast the business based on the actuals that we've compiled. We <clears throat> uh, run a bunch of analysis and support our business partners on trends we're seeing in their areas. Um, and then we do run the annual budgeting process uh, where we, you know, uh, everybody loves the budgeting process. So I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about that, but that's what we're in right now. Yeah. Yes, it is budgeting season. Um, it sounds like a really interesting and definitely important role. And I'm curious, Josh, what are some of the notable stepping stones in your career that have led you to this current role at Revel? I'm sure you've had plenty of interesting experiences uh, before coming here. Yeah. So whenever I got it first, let's start in college. In college, I actually went to my dad and I was, I was always enrolled in accounting. Um, and that was, that's what my degree was in. I have a minor in computers too, but I went to him. I was, he didn't know that I was taking photography classes on the side. And I was like, boy, I, I think I want to be an artist. And <laughs> he was like, uh, no, you're not doing you're not going to, you're not going to be a photographer. You're never going to make any money doing that. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll stick with accounting. But, but whenever I came out of accounting, you know, I did auditing uh, for a number of years. I worked for KPMG um, in Chicago. And, <clears throat> you know, I think some things that really helped me in my career was one, you know, the big four was a really good stepping stone in terms of just, they help you understand a business, um, how to understand financials. It's really a crash course. I mean, most people only spend three to five years in the big four and then they move on. 
and it's really a crash course in how to understand financials, how everything comes together, you know, this sort of technical stuff uh, behind it. And I'm, I'm not going to get into all that, but <clears throat> most, you know, things got exciting, more exciting from there because I went to work for um, Morton's Restaurant Group right out of uh, um, uh, Big Four. And I had some of the most wonderful mentors there. I mean, that was a company. <clears throat> One of the reasons why I've stayed at Rebel so long is because the culture here is an environment that is most rem reminiscent to me of Morton's. Uh, it, it, it was an environment, and this is an environment like it too, where you just think and feel at the same time. And you have to think about something and understand how it's going to make people feel. Um, or you have to just go, here's my gut and, you know, go with it. And it's, <clears throat> that is an interesting space. And um, I like working in that, those types of environments. Um, and then after Morton's, I continued on in the restaurant space and work, went to work for Potbelly, uh, who this was before they IPO'd. Um, I went to be their corporate controller. Uh, ultimately, that's where I landed. And, you know, that was another good stepping stone, mainly because their CEO, Olin Lewis, was, you know, he was fairly prolific in large restaurateurs. Um, he was a big inspiration for me. He, um, uh, I think he was on the board of Marriott and a couple other companies. But anyway, he had a sort of management philosophy about running places and, you know, having, you know, cultural pillars and always driving to metrics and always doing the right thing for people. Um, and then another great mentor for me there was our CFO, uh, Charlie Talbot, who, I mean, man, that guy would just ask questions that he would ask one question and it would be like, oh, that's mind blowing, you know? And so it was just, it was a very collegial environment. It wasn't uh, the more family culture at Morton's. It was a little bit more academic, but still, you know, um, uh, a great culture to be in. Um, from there, I went to, let's see, Pete's Coffee in the East Bay. And that's whenever I moved to California. And that was a great experience. Um, very large company. Um, actually, it was a very large company and, you know, appreciated my experience there. I think I wanted to pivot into tech. Uh, and that's whenever I landed at Rebel. And I felt like, you know, all that experience of restaurants and Big Four and everything kind of led to this experience where it was restaurant retail adjacent, but in the tech space where I wanted to be. So it just kind of all came together in that way. And, and if I'm being honest, I thought Rebel was going to be like a two-year thing, and then I would move on to the next tech thing, because that was how San Francisco worked, and the Bay Area worked, and all this other stuff. But it's, like I said, the, the culture is spot on, and I've stayed a lot longer, because it's just been a really great experience. Well, Josh, we are so glad to have you here. And actually, I've got a couple of follow-up questions. So one is, do you still do photography for fun? I mean, don't we all? We got this little... <laughs> you know, the little black mirror in front of us and everybody's a photographer. So yes, I do. I still like it. Sometimes you, you see something and it's just like, wow, that'd be a really good picture. Uh, but yeah, not, not, I, you know, I don't have the old brownie or anything like that gotcha. uh, and develop my own film. I love it. That's, that's a fun fact about Josh. And actually I didn't know that about you just from the early start of your career. 
So while we're on the topic of career development, another question I have for you to dig in a little deeper on the restaurant experience you had just in, van- in advance of coming here to Revel. I'm curious, you know, since restaurants comprise such a large percentage of the clients that we have here at Revel, I want to know if there are any specific lessons in addition to the cultural insights you gleaned from those roles. You know, is there anything that comes into play and really helps for perhaps the forecasting or financial support roles that you carry out today? Yeah, I mean, I think the real management lesson for me in restaurants and and in some of the tutelage that I had in my past was it is all about the people. I mean, at Revel, we're 500 people. At some of these restaurant chains, it could be thousands of people. And so if you're not careful either operationally or financially with some things that you're doing and being fairly precise, the magnitude of error gets amplified by thousands of people. And so my advice for anybody who's out there, particularly on the enterprise side, is if you're in a financial position, make sure that you get to the right level of precision and really hone in on what it is, whether it's a labor model or, you know, forecasting out rent or, you know, your same store sales projections, make sure that you're really honing in on that because the magnitude of error can be really big if you're forecasting that out because it's and you know, that's the financial side. On the operational side, it's all about the people. In training manuals, if something or one little thing is wrong, imagine that going out to thousands of people and then suddenly operationally, they're doing something that could cause you know, something to change financially or could drive the wrong customer experience or something else. And I think, you know, we've all been in big chains here and there, but we've probably seen symptoms of this here and there, you know, uh, just anecdotally. But that's probably the, you know, the thing that I think about is, my gosh, 500 people versus thousands, you know, and sometimes these, it could be the same revenue, who knows? It's great advice. And I I think it's advice that can touch a lot more people than just, you know, financial teams. And, you know, Josh, you get to manage this awesome group of, you know, people on your finance team here at Revel today, and they manage all the details, like managing Revel's checkbook, um, to put it simply. But, uh, you know, as you built this team, what are some of the key considerations for you that you keep in mind as you guys continue to grow? Yeah, that is a great question because it's, it's all about people. Um, I, you know, I think it's always that you, you have to instill a growth mindset. And I think complacency can be a killer of future growth. And the thing that I, I always ask my own team is, how do we, you know, how do we innovate? How do we continue to innovate? How do we take the slack out of the chain, you know? Um, and that kind of growth mindset, whenever you can get people to ask the question themselves, then, then you know, that's 50% of the, of the work because then they're going to start ideating for themselves like, well, maybe it's worth me spending an hour trying to fix something over here. And, you know, that's an hour sunk, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, but that saves me incrementally 10, 15 minutes over the next year, every day. And, and that's the kind of mindset that I, I like to drive in people. Uh, we went through this exercise recently in this group where 
you know, we're almost towards the end of it now. In finance, you know, you, you guys don't know this, but in finance, it takes us a certain number of days to close the books, right? And I think whenever I started, it was like 17. And then we got it down to 15. Then we got it down to 10. And now we're down to five. And the goal is to get to three, which is, I mean, that's better than best in class. And we're basically at four right now. And, and what that does is, you know, it's, it's not about the number of days. It is, it is about the mentality of, okay, here's the goal. How do we get there? What do I need to do? What do I need to automate? What do I need to innovate? What I need to stop doing because I, it's a waste of time, you know, or maybe it was important years ago and it's no longer important now. And that, again, that's just a, an example of how you drive that sort of, hey, ask the question uh, mentality. So, yeah, sorry, I won't bang on anymore about that, but. <laughs> no, that's that's great. And it actually, it really dovetails into my next question. Um, in fact, you may have covered a little bit of what you would have said, but the next question was just as you're working on developing leaders as well. Um, you know, based on your own experiences, the advice that you have received, the things that have been really salient and memorable for you and helped you achieve results, um, you know, for the future leaders in finance or really in any department, yeah. would it be that discomfort with complacency that would be your, your best advice? Or do you have, you know, other nuggets that you can leave our listeners with? Yeah, um, whenever it comes to developing leaders, this is some, a tip that I took from Alwyn and Charlie at Potbelly, so hat tip to them. You have to figure out their intention. You know, you got to understand where the talent is, and this is for any organization or, you know, this is how I run my group, but I think it could be universal. You know, mindset is everything. And if, if for me, I look for where is the talent and what is their intention? And, and, you know, part of that is it's the art of the conversation and thinking and feeling because some people, you know, you may see as a leader, but they may not like managing people or they may not like, you know, doing things that a manager would do. And then there are other people, whenever you get to know them, that it's like, holy cow, they are just a natural born leader and they know how to talk to people and bring the best out in people. And, you know, that's where you got to sort through. So I think, you know, the mentality of, of dealing with the complacency is something just operational and driving a certain mindset. But whenever it comes to leadership, I think the first question to ask is always, where is the talent and do they want to lead? Uh, and again, that to me, that's partly just getting to know someone, you know, at some point, maybe having the conversation of, hey, do you? Do you like managing people? Do you, you know, do you like doing, do you want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. And if the answer is, well, one day I want to be a controller and currently I'm a staff accountant. Perfect. Great. Now I know your intention is you want to keep aspiring to something else. And if someone says, well, you know, I want to be, uh, I don't know, I just want to work in accounting and, and, you know, do something else and they're a little bit ambivalent about it, well, then there's your answer there, right? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I really like that. Just taking the time to figure out where that intersection of, of talent and intention is. 
Um, I like that. And I, I want to go back to something we talked about at the very beginning here, which is it's budget season, budget planning. Um, we're all excited about it. And, you know, it's well underway at a lot of our, you know, restaurants and retailers that Revel services too. Um, so as we approach 2023, what marketplace factors and maybe broad industry trends do you think our merchant listeners should really be paying attention to and ultimately preparing for for next year? Yeah, so the retail and the restaurant industry, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking to you folks. Obviously, number one is going to be same store stores, uh, excuse me, same store sales, uh, the comp. Uh, and I, you know, for folks who are listening and, and may not know what that is, it's basically, you know, I'm looking at year one, or let's say I'm looking at 2021. In that exact same store, they have to have a full year of sales in 2020 for me to compare how was the performance of that of that store, and that is a really, I mean, broad broad economists look at that measure. Uh, you know, when Walmart reports its sales, it always reports that measure. That is super important. And in the retail and restaurant world, we do see comps coming down a little bit. Uh, you know, a burger. An $18 burger, you know, not everybody can afford that. Uh, and it's sad that everybody can't, but that's that's the reality. And so they have to make trade-offs in their lives, right? And so footfall, traffic, that, my guess, is going to start trending down. And so if I were forecasting or in financial uh, uh, position in a restaurant or retailer, I'd be focusing on that, number one, uh, and going, okay, that is a headwind that I know I've got to deal with. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is, you know, once I'm past that, I'm probably going to start looking at, um, uh, you know, keeping an eye on the macro environment, which is uh, the um, interest rates. So, you know, the Fed, we had another inflation print, 8%. You know, the Fed is probably going to keep pushing interest rates up. It's, that is my personal, you know, uh, pontification. But uh, I think that they're going to keep going in that direction. And, and what does that do? It makes things more expensive for everybody. And that means that we all have to make our trade-offs, right? And what does that do? It is going to impact sales because consumers are going to go, that $18 burger, I got to second guess that. And maybe I need to make some more trade-offs in my life. And so that's probably another key indicator I would look at. You know, a third one, I would keep an eye on the job market. So the, um, I was looking the other day, job listings in the U.S. have come down since March, April-ish this year. It's been on a steady decline, job listings. What does that tell me? Companies, not only are consumers preparing for something because they're, they're making their own trade-offs, right? Companies are starting to make their own trade-offs and they're going, boy, I've got to start curtailing some of my hiring uh, out there. We see it in other broader indicators. Uh, layoffs are starting to go up, particularly in the tech industry, but that doesn't affect restaurant retailers. But I would keep an eye on those things because that is going to be all headwinds for a consumer spending environment and restaurant retailers uh, obviously care about that type of environment. One more thing on that topic. Uh, I want to end with saying I'm very sympathetic to restaurant and retailers because they are on the front lines of these things. And, you know, I used to do this too. And 
<clears throat> it's a very, very tough environment. I can't imagine what they're going through. And, and really to the extent that our customers are in crisis, we're kind of in crisis too. So I keep pretty close watch on these things because it, you know, uh, it all trickles down. Yeah. I don't, I mean, you can't deny that we're really interconnected and, and that these kinds of headwinds impact us all on some level. And I do, I think your experience in restaurants certainly gives you an extra layer of empathy for just what these folks are going through. Um, you know, every year can't have the best news for what we're projecting, but I think there's some creative solutions out there and those can ultimately make for great business options moving forward. Sorry, I keep adding on to this. I don't want to end on a positive or a negative note with the economy. I want to end on a positive note about what I think the economy can do in downtimes is it forces innovation because instead of someone asking the question, you know, in some ways, a macro environment forces on folks to go, how do I innovate? How do I, you know, maybe I need a new point of sale system to help drive efficiency. Maybe I need, you know, some other restaurant tech in my, in my store to help drive, you know, some costs down that I'm incurring. And I, I know I can cut those out, whether it's payments or, you know, uh, costly older uh, systems or whatever it is. Those, those types of businesses that can react and uh, put that at the forefront of their business in a challenging environment are usually going to be the ones that survive. And so I look at this, the positive side of this is I think there are going to be some really great restaurant and retailers that come out of this environment that are going to be really strong. Yeah, you've got to love a silver lining. And I really like that we're ending on a little bit of an uplifting note for our listeners because it's not a completely grim outlook. With that, we've actually reached the end of our prepared questions for you, but I wanted to give you a moment to share anything that we haven't covered today that maybe our listeners would be interested to hear. No, I think this has been, you know, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you guys facilitating this and to all the retailers and restaurateurs out there, you know, all the best to everybody. I'm rooting for every single one of you. Well, Josh, it was a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. We know you're a very busy guy. Um, so here's the, to successfully wrapping up uh, the quarter and the year. I have to admit, for a finance episode, it was a really fun surprise just how much we learned about people. And of course, you know that at Revel, we consider ourselves the people POS. And Josh is right on the money no pun intended, in saying that people are a critical factor in the financial success and the considerations for any business. That's so true. And I really loved learning more about Josh's own professional journey. He had some great advice for aspiring and developing leaders. And I'm also so glad to know he still occasionally dabbles in photography just for fun. You never truly know what interesting facts will surface during a podcast recording. And in addition to the photography trivia and the leadership advice, Josh gave us some really great insights into the key factors he's paying attention to as a new calendar year approaches. So I appreciate how he kept it real with the challenges, but also reminded us that it's not all scary news out there. Even as a consumer, I think it's valuable just to understand some of the macroeconomic forces at play for the year ahead. Definitely, though I would be lying if I said that $18 burger isn't still a compelling purchase. 
And on that note, to all of our listeners, whether you identify as merchants, consumers, or a combination of the two, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Make sure you never miss a revelation by liking and subscribing to Restaurant and Retail Revelations on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon with fresh content. Uh